and welcome to another episode of You Wanna Watch, a podcast, where I'll let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby, and in the past week since I recorded my last episode, I have watched a lot of content. It's kind of wild, even for me. I have watched five full movies and two documentaries, and that might not sound like a lot for seven days, but six of those happened within the past 48 hours. I had a lot of free time this weekend and a lot of things I found interesting, worth watching, so let's get into it. At the end of last week's episode, I promised I would talk about Judas and the Black Messiah and To All the Boys, Always and Forever, and those are the two we're going to start off with. And then I will consider giving you a little taste of the other movies that I've watched because one of them was really, really wild. I just watched it and I'm still thinking about it, so it might be worth going into detail in this episode. Let's first start with Judas and the Black Messiah, which was released on HBO Max. It will be on there for the next 30 days until March 14th, I believe is the date that it will be leaving. And this movie is a biographical drama film, which is about the FBI investigation that leads to the assassination of Black Panther Party Chairman Fred Hampton. And it's about uh, the FBI informant. Bill O'Neill, who infiltrates the Black Panther Party to give the FBI intel, which then leads to Fred's assassination. This movie stars Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton and Lakeith Stanfield as Bill O'Neill. And then it also has Jesse Plemons as one of the FBI agents. And he's real good about playing a racist white man. But we already knew that. And then it also has... Ashton Sanders, who was in Moonlight, and that one took me by surprise. I did not know he was in this movie. I was very excited when I saw his name pop up in the beginning credits. And then another big role in this movie is played by Dominique Fishback. And this is the first thing I had ever seen her in, but she blew me away. We'll get into her character. But this cast was really well done. I props to the casting director for this. I really enjoyed every choice they made for it. Though I will say, um, these people that this movie is about, obviously it's about real people. Um, It's a little interesting to me because Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he was assassinated and Bill O'Neill when he was first um, arrested by the FBI and forced to turn into an informant for them. He was 17 and both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are in their 30s and they don't look like they're close to 20. And so I think um, for me, it took a little bit away from more of the impact of Fred and Bill's lives because I think looking at their faces, they didn't have that level of innocence that I know both Fred and Bill had, despite their knowledge of the world. And I know, especially during the 60s, being a black man, I know the level of maturing and having to like grow up and realize what the world was like happened a lot faster. Um, But I just think that it might have had some more impact if we had some actors in these roles who looked more age appropriate. I am I'm thinking specifically of like when they see us, um, that show on Netflix that the kids who were cast in those roles were close to the age of the people they were playing. And I think it just has another level of impact and just like 
it really forces you to understand what was really going on at that time when you're not able to forget how young these people were when these things were happening to them. But that's kind of just an aside. I don't mind that they cast Lakeith and Daniel for this movie because these are some of the greatest actors of our generation. So I do appreciate that we got some great, great actors to play these people. But just as a thought that I had after watching the movie was that I forgot while I was watching it just how young both the people they were playing were. So much of the focus of this movie is on Bill and how he gets into the situation of becoming the informant and then from there how he forces his way into the Panther Party and becomes close friends with Fred Hampton and manages to gain the trust of a lot of the other members of the party. He's constantly having to check in with the FBI, with Jesse Plemons' character, and giving up all of the intel that he's getting. And I think the movie did a really good job of not villainizing him fully, because obviously it's easy to think of Bill as this awful person because he's giving up this information to the FBI. Obviously, in this situation, the FBI is the enemy. And so if you're helping the FBI, you then by association would also be the enemy, which to a level, yes, Bill is. But I think also to show more of his like helplessness and the fact that he's backed into a corner and he knows that there's really no way out. There's no one else who's going to advocate for him during this time. He takes the only out that he can see that keeps him alive. And I think you really do have to remember that while all the events in the movie are unfolding. And I think the movie does do a good job of making you not forget that, which I really appreciated because we don't need to see Fred Hampton as this like angel perfect person and then Bill O'Neill as this devil terrible absolute awful villain um, because it's not how the real world is and especially not in this situation how we should be telling the story and viewing the story. There are a lot of powerful scenes throughout this movie. Every time Daniel does one of Fred's speeches, you can really feel it. And I'm always reminded that Daniel is British. He does not have an American accent. And every time that I hear his voice when he speaks an American accent, I forget that because he fully embodies this person. He feels like Fred Hampton. He feels that he agrees with what he's saying and that he's conveying the themes of the Black Panther Party. He's talking to all the other party members and you can feel that there is a connection to the actual words. He's not just reciting them from the script for the sake of it. And that's where I really think that the casting was just so well done. I don't know how many other actors could have done that as well as Daniel did. Another actor who stood out in this movie for me, as I already mentioned, was Dominique Fishback and she plays Deborah Johnson, who is Fred's love interest partner, however you would want to describe that, and the eventual mother of his son, who is still alive to this day, Fred Hampton Jr., still doing great work, along with Deborah Johnson. I actually have seen her in something else. I'm just remembering she was in Project Power. Um, that's another Netflix movie that had Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but honestly, I 
blocked that movie out of my mind because I did not like it. So she's in that though. Um, but yeah, I hardly remember that movie at all. She's also been in quite a few television shows, but I think after this movie and her performance in this, she's going to blow up and we're going to see her in plenty of things. At least I hope. I hope that Hollywood will let a dark-skinned black woman have her moment because we need more of that. And she is incredible in this. Her emotion, her clarity, and also in the way she performs her scenes and her lines I have to say, like, there's just this level of sincerity, especially from our main cast that I feel like I haven't seen in a movie in a really long time. And I don't even know if I was really expecting that in this. And that might be why I'm so impressed and kind of blown away, just because I just really felt that everybody who became a part of this movie was on board with what was going to happen. And we're really trying to make sure that this story was told in the right way. This is obviously a like dramatized retelling of true events, but I think um, it actually does feel pretty like historical in a way. Like it's something you will learn something from, especially if you don't know a lot about Fred Hampton. I do think you will walk away feeling like you learned about his life and his work and about the Chicago Black Party as a whole. So that's something I also really enjoyed that it did feel like there was something more to get out of it other than it just being a great movie which it is on its own regardless i would definitely recommend giving this movie a watch if you have access to it especially if you have not consumed enough content for black history month if you haven't brushed up on your black history in a while um this is an easy way to do both of those things so i would suggest giving it a watch the next movie I promised to talk about is To All the Boys, Always and Forever, which is available on Netflix. It is the third and final installment in the To All the Boys series, which was based off a book series written by Jenny Han. There were three books. There are three movies and we are done with it, which though I'm sad to see Laura Jean and Peter Kavinsky go, I'm glad we are not dragging this out and making a third book into two movies for no reason the way we used to do with all of our book turned movies and that we're not creating extra content from a book that doesn't exist just to keep making money. I think three movies is good. I think it ended on a good note. So let's talk about it. So I talked about the sequel in the second movie, which was to all the boys, P.S. I Love You. Um, last year on the podcast when it dropped and I did not like that one which was very sad for me because I was absolutely obsessed with the first one I think I watched the first one like four times in the span of a week because it was just like the cutest and most heartwarming thing I had seen in so long and I was so charmed by everything that happened from the acting from the storyline from the music like everything about that movie was so so cute and then the second one came out and I was so disappointed because I just felt like we were wasting time with these pointless plots and these extra characters. And they threw in this whole like extra love triangle aspect, which I'm never a fan of. But I watched it once and then I kind of put it out of my mind because I knew that we were going to have a third one come out this year. And I was going to hopefully have everything redeemed for me. And I'm glad that I just forgot about the second one because the third one was so cute and I'm so glad I watched it. 
This movie starts off with a high focus on Laura Jean and her sisters and her dad's relationship. They go to Korea to um, sort of honor their mother who has passed away and try to do some of the things that she did when she had gone there before. And I thought that was really nice um, because I feel like, especially in the second one, there was less focus on like Laura Jean's other relationships with her family rather than just her different romantic relationships with boys. And so I'm glad we brought that aspect back in. But she's super worried because her and Peter have this big, huge plan that they're going to go to Stanford together and go to the same college and live it up, keep the relationship going. And she hasn't heard back from Stanford yet. Again, really like this aspect of it because this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, like just the stresses of senior year of high school in general, not knowing what colleges you're going to get into and not knowing how your life's going to change. And with the way that Peter and Laura Jean's relationship has evolved, like obviously this is going to be something that they are worried about because in the first movie, they started fake dating, turned that into the real dating. The second movie, he thought that she was going to fall in love with somebody else and they had those sort of problems. And so now that their relationship seems solid, it just feels like there's one other thing that could possibly break them up. And we get to explore that through the entire movie, which I'm glad that it was more relatable, I guess, to me personally, because these felt more like emotions and questions I had during my senior year of high school as compared to fake dating, which while I found that very cute, it's one of my favorite tropes, um, don't have any experience with that. So wasn't as relatable, which is fine. It's just, I think parts of this third installment hit a little harder with me, which is nice when you can fully relate to a movie that you're watching. The movie's actually broken down into like the big events of senior year. So she has her spring break trip to Korea and then they have like their senior trip, there's prom, there's graduation. And it's nice to watch Laura Jean and Peter sort of handle these more adult conversations and watch them grow up kind of right in front of your eyes during this like two hour long movie. And I just really liked it as a whole. I thought it was very cute. Um, I guess... The first is still my favorite. If I had to rank them, it would be the first one, the third one, and then we conveniently forget about the second one, which I do have to say is pretty interesting that I think, in my opinion of having watched them, that you can almost just watch one and three and completely skip two because they never bring up most of the events that happen in the second movie. Like John Ambrose is not mentioned once, like not at all, not even in passing. We don't know why he just dropped off the face of the earth which is kind of annoying from like a movie and like plot standpoint because he was so important in the second one that he should have at least like shown up and like graduated or something with them or gone to prom with them like he shouldn't have disappeared off the face of the earth but from a what I like kind of standpoint I was glad that he didn't show up and I think my question on that like they filmed both two and three back to back. So they didn't know how people were going to react to John Ambrose. They weren't didn't know how people were going to react to the love triangle aspect in that movie. But like I feel like they somehow knew that nobody was going to love it because they filmed the third movie without him in it at all. 
And usually that's something that happens after a movie is released and they kind of feel out how the audience is reacting to certain parts of the plot. And then when they go to make the next movie, they pivot and they change parts of it to make sure that everyone is satisfied with what happens in the next movie. Like you wouldn't want everyone to hate characters and hate aspects of your story and then have that be a main focus of your next installment of your movie. But they didn't know that people were going to love or hate John Ambrose, but they chose not to put him in third movie at all, which I just find interesting. Don't really understand it, but who knows? I do think that the first one had the best soundtrack. Like these movies kind of had the best sort of vibe and opportunity to have these like really, really good like pop high school level music soundtracks. And the first one blew it out of the water. And then it kind of just like got slightly worse as they went on, which it should have done the opposite. Like I don't understand how they couldn't keep getting better songs and they just like picked less good songs. I don't know. I just, the first soundtrack was so good and it never matched up to that in the second and third. I did appreciate that we got a callback to I Like Me Better by Love as we did in the first one. That song's so cute. It's such, it's like the exact vibe of To All The Boys. Like if someone needed to describe this movie series in a song. It's perfectly that song. It's just, it's the vibe. I hate saying that, but it just is. I really just find this entire movie series minus the second movie so cute. Like, it's not the greatest cinema I've ever seen, but it doesn't need to be. And honestly, if anyone does have anything bad to say about movies one and three, I will defend it with everything I have in me. And then maybe I will make these five star ratings for myself if anybody has something bad to say, because there shouldn't be anything bad to say about these movies. They're so cute. If you're in the mood for something that will make you smile really hard and just like feel good, I highly recommend watching, especially the third one. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a yes for me. Okay, so now for some other things I've watched, I don't want to just like give you a recap right now because I'm going to do that um, at the beginning of March uh, to keep up with my monthly recaps to go over movies I don't have time to get to. But I just want to say I watched this movie called No Escape. It's on Hulu. The reason I watched it is because it has an actor, Ronan Rubenstein from 911 Lone Star. I'm not going to stop talking about the 911 shows, guys. I really do love the shows. And maybe one day I'll have a full 911 and 911 Lone Star episode of this podcast. Like, don't count that out. But I found out about the movie No Escape because he was in it. He was posting um, like promo for it because it was able to release last year in some other countries where their theaters were open. And so he was trying to do promo for it as an actor does on Instagram. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Let me see what it's about. And it's a movie that also has um, Keegan Allen from Pretty Little Liars. And then it has Holland Roden from Teen Wolf. And so like, just right there, you, if you know anything about those shows or those actors, like this is not a stacked cast of like super talented actors. Like they are talented in their own right, but like this isn't, they made this movie because they're bored and need money, not because they loved the, the script and the director or anything like that. 
And the basic plot is that Keegan Allen plays this like vlogger, social media person um, who like makes videos and stuff and live streams from his phone a bunch. And like, I don't know, is that what Twitch is? Listen, I don't know that many things, but whatever. He's like super big into social media, always posting content, whatever. And him and his group of friends get invited by one of the friends, like know some guy in Russia and they're like flying out to Russia to do this whole escape room game kind of a thing. And like already right there, you know, some shit's going to go down. You know, things are going to go left. They're not going to go right. And I'm watching this movie and I'm kind of interested in the beginning because like I like escape rooms. I think that's kind of a cool concept to like put characters in a room and see who freaks out. And then the movie like takes multiple turns where like I was kind of interested and then I was super interested in what was happening. And then I got bored and it was just like a movie where they put things in Russia like I talked about with that Anthony Mackie movie just so that they can like make Russians the bad people which whatever like it's a weird thing that I feel like American movies keep doing. That whole subplot of the movie becomes really unimportant and uninteresting to me and then it takes like another turn where I'm now interested again and then the ending listen the ending I'm still thinking about it because it did such a 180 on me that the movie went from like being like a one-star joke that I watched for absolutely no reason to something that I'm willing to talk about on this podcast because like I'm still thinking about it I'm not going to give it away because honestly you should watch this movie even though it's bad like I only I think I gave it two stars it's a one and a half star movie that I bumped up half a star because the ending still makes me chuckle um but the ending is worth watching the entire movie I'm telling you like who wrote this? Who thought of this? I'm being intentionally vague because I want you to watch this. I know if you have Hulu, you got an hour and a half that you don't have anything to do with your time. It's only an hour and a half of your time. It's like not even. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. It feels really long. I will say that. But it's only an hour and 20 minutes. And then you will get to the end and you will know what I'm referencing. And you'll be like, yeah, she was right. It was worth watching this. I will say again, though, the whole Russian stuff's weird, and I wish American films would stop doing it. Like, it's always like a parody of like Russian mob, and it's always so weird. And I wish we would stop, but I digress. Watch No Escape on Hulu. It's a fun time. I watched a couple of other documentaries this past weekend. I watched Framing Britney that everybody else. Um, has obviously watched. It's the New York Times documentary about the media's representation of Britney Spears and the troubles with her conservatorship with her father. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if you follow anything about Britney Spears' life and what's going on with her right now. I don't know if it tells you anything that's new information, um, but I do think it's just, it was really sad to watch, um, especially like knowing how the media was treating her and how nobody really stepped up for her during that time. And like, I was a child, but I remember the narratives and I remember seeing all the magazines, like even being a kid and just like knowing that now and knowing that it wasn't crazy Britney Spears and it was more how everything was being framed on top of her. Just, it just made me so sad and then I listened to a lot of Britney Spears in the past day and watched a lot of her YouTube videos. So hopefully things go well for her. Interested in 
following up with Britney Spears news, which is not something I thought I would be saying in 2021. And then I watched that fake famous documentary on HBO Max, which I might want to talk about later. I don't want to talk about it right now, though, but it might be worth having some discussions on. As of right now, I don't have any concrete plans of what I'm going to be talking about in next week's episode. Um, I know that St. Maud A24's latest drop finally came out available to like everybody this past week. And then um, I think the Rosamund Pike movie is coming to Netflix is coming Friday. So those are two things I am tentatively thinking about maybe talking about, but it will depend on how they go for me. So I will continue to watch movies, continue to consume content, and I will catch you in next week's episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Want to Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWpod and Instagram at You Want to Watch.